Hi, everybody. I am Peter Travers, and welcome to this special awards edition of Popcorn. Well, I will be interviewing two extraordinary women directors. My guests today are Chloe Zhao, the Beijing-born director of Nomadland. She's doing a movie about Americans who get in vans and wander from place to place. And she's won almost every critics award for best directing there is, including a Golden Globe just last week. So Chloe's right up there. And the second one that we have is Regina King, the Oscar winner for acting, whose One Night in Miami is her first feature directing debut. And she has managed to tell a story of four black icons meeting together in a Miami hotel in 1964 and talking their own civil rights and how they figure in that civil rights movement. These two women are just extraordinary. So listen up. I want to congratulate you on not only for Nomadland and for the two movies you made previous to that, but seemingly someone who's doing what she loves to do and is really damn good at it. Um, I've been very lucky and I, I've been, I had great teams on all the films I've made. You know, it takes a village. But I do, I love what I do, yes. Well, in terms of Nomadland, you have uh, been talked about as winning every directing prize that you haven't already won for this now. Is that put any pressure on you? Um, maybe my parents will be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I tell them to stop reading this stuff. Uh, no, no, I mean, having another film in post, it's been very helpful to, um, to keep me very busy and to pay too much attention to it. Um, so I, no, not, not really. Well, you're something of a nomad yourself, aren't you? I mean, being born and in growing up in Beijing and finding your way through so many places. I, I don't have in the time I have time to even go through it, but you wind up in the UK, then you're in LA, then you're at Mount Holyoke studying <laughs> political science, then you're at NYU taking classes with Spike Lee. Uh, you're doing so many things. And now you, in the three films you've done, you're dealing with the American West. How does that happen? Um, I think, you know, when, when, when I see people who move a lot and um, who is trying to chase the horizon, what they're really chasing is a sense of self, isn't it? Uh, they're trying to discover who they are and where they belong. And I think that is me for most of my first um, three and a half decade of my life mm -hmm. is, is to search for that. And uh, um, filmmaking happened to allow me to do that which is awesome. Yeah, you can be a nomad forever. This is what filmmaking is, isn't it? You're a little bit. Time. You know, when I was making Nomadland, I definitely, I'm sure Fran and the rest of the team felt it, the, the weight of um, getting to know someone, then know a place and fall in love with the place and get close to the people and then have to pack up and leave and might not see them again. And I feel that way with film as well, filmmaking, it gets very close. It's like you went on a sailing trip with this group of people and then you you got to the shore and then you might never see each other again. It's kind of bittersweet. Do you have anything inside of you that kind of wishes that you could be in a place for more than just a couple of years? Oh, I mean, 100%, like I, 
Like my favorite TV show is like The Office. You know, I, I just, I just, <laughs> it makes me so happy on a bad day. I just put The Office on or like everybody loves Raymond or something. Cause I just see, oh, look, I can work in one office for the rest of my life. And it's lovely. Yeah. You picked the wrong profession to do that. I know. You yeah. really did to do that. Yeah. But I wanted to ask what seems like a stupid question, but um, isn't in the way I look at it is what is a director? What does a director do? I think the director is someone that um, have the privilege to pick very talented people who are very, very good at their jobs and put them together and um, maintain the chemistry of that group of people uh, and make sure the general direction that we're all headed is correct. I think that's pretty much it. Can you, can you be taught that? Can you really be, can a school teach you how to do that or is it intuitive? I think you can, I think you can learn. Um, I think you can learn a lot um, because it's interesting because I just did a, a masterclass with Spike at NYU. Mm-hmm. And for me, we, at NYU, we were, we were made to take every uh, position on the crew. So we learned how to record sound, we learned how to produce each other's films and AC for each other. So we knew pretty much what all the department is supposed to do. And I think that's actually training to be a director. You learn that because you, what you want to do is put the right people in the right project so they really can thrive at their jobs. And when all your, your department has are elevated, then your film is elevated. Well, you do do that, but look at look at how you've done it in terms of actors. You, the first two movies, you've used people who really don't have professional experience as actors to do it. And with Nomadland, you suddenly have Francis McDormand entering the picture. How did that change the equation of what you're used to? Well, first of all, it's exciting because I always wanted to be able to challenge how films are made and now stay comfortable because I would discover something every mm-hmm. time. And I think every film, every story um, require a certain type of casting that's right for that story and that world. And for Nomadland, it just made, it made sense to have someone like Fern to take us through uh, a very scattered world of the American West and many different people and still be emotionally uh, uh, following the journey and um i you know i think it's about reacting to what you need again back to what it is like to what is it about that to be a director is really just problem solving you know you think this book is incredible how do i gel the stories together you need to create this character who can play a character like this that's really going to hold the audience attention oh she's a producer as well (laughs) you know friend you know and then the question and how do we get friend into a, a world of a real people, real people that that she is not going to stand out? Um, then it's how the production is going to be run, uh, and then now everybody's on the same page how we conduct ourselves and how we make the film, and then and then the cinematography comes in. So how do we film these people? So it's everything feels like a reaction. Once you know what story you want to tell, what you want to say. Everything else is, is a problem solving and reaction to that. It's true. But I mean, your next movie that you practically finished, right, is a Marvel movie, The Eternals. 
So how did that change everything? How did that change your way of operating? Um, I hope it hasn't really changed my way of operating too much, you know, because I still work with a very intimate small group of people, like five of them mm-hmm. um, at, at times. And it's the same way I had with my producers and Searchlight. And these folks were on the same page of what movie we want to make and how we want to make it. It's not just what about how from the beginning. And they might have a much bigger army behind each of them. And while on set, it's the same 25 people. But if you communicate very clearly from the beginning of what and how you want to make these films, I don't really deal with the rest so of the So you're army. not thrown by any of this. This, this is great. This is um, you, you know, you said every film is a learning curve. And I really, really don't want to make a film where I walk away and go, I wasn't thrown. Well, I can't imagine that you really would. I I don't have any time, but to end, I wanted to ask you about music. I mean, your first movie is called Songs My Brothers Taught Me, which are people on the reservation talking about that. How, what part does that music play in your life? What were the songs you were taught when you were growing up? Uh, Music is a huge part of my life. Um, I I feel like um, it's, uh, I I, I really wish I could be a musician. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I remember everything from like the pop music I grew up in China to like when Michael Jackson first came into my life. And then so like, it's Michael Jackson. My, look, ask any Chinese uh, person in the 90s about Michael Jackson. So <laughs> it's, it's really hard for us now to get very nostalgic about that. But then, you know, um, Dylan, Bob Dylan and um, and then uh, reggae music is, is a big part of my life. And so I go through, I really go through different stages, but doing Nomadland, I definitely went back to a Dylan uh, uh, for some reason, uh, being out there on the road, Dylan's music came back quite strong. I also fell in love with country music when I spent all my time in South Dakota. So nothing, there's no Chinese music. Well, there is one, I mean, if I say it would be embarrassing because it's just the most obvious part. There's one artist named Jay Chow who I love, but it's like saying you love, you know, like, uh, the, I don't know, like uh, the, who's the most popular musician right now? Um, well, that, there's nothing wrong with that. I just, <laughs> I just want to say, Chloe, and saying goodbye, that there's a music that you make in your movies. It's a music that I think only the best filmmakers have. So I just wish you the best. And thank you so much for doing this. I'm going to take that with me. Thank you so much for saying that. All right. So thank you to Chloe Zhao and good luck to whatever she pursues, which will be Marvel movie next. And let's talk now to Regina King and her whole experience about directing One Night in Miami. This is about you being a feature film director. And it's gotta be exciting for you to do this. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think for anyone, when you, um, you know, put in the work and you set out to do something, especially something that people consider not in your wheelhouse and you actually make it to the finish line, you know, there's, it's, it's gratifying, you know? No, it's sure. Well, of course, people would say, let's get Regina to direct this movie about four guys because (laughs) she'll be perfect for this. Absolutely perfect. (laughs) Well, you know, I did feel like in a lot of ways that I I connected 
being a, a black woman, I've had black men in my life, all of my life. And mm -hmm. these conversations are conversations that, you know, have been being had before I was born. Um, conversations that, um, you know, my son has with his friends. Um, and then just being a, a person that is in front of the camera and has been in front of the camera for as long as I have, I can relate to these conversations um, from that perspective, from someone who is uh, a celebrity that um, is always asking themselves, you know, what, where does my art and social responsibility meet? Um, and, and, and how do I uh, display in a way that's honest to myself um, what, what that looks like? Yeah, that's a good way to approach life, too, as a philosophy. <laughs> How do I express myself? How do I express with that? But I mean, these are these are four icons. These, you know, you have Muhammad Ali, you know, when he was Cassius Clay, he wasn't even there yet to be that. And you have Malcolm X and you have Sam Cooke and you have Jim Brown. And so these are icons. And, you know, the last time I talked to you, we were talking about your son, Ian, and I was wondering when he looks at this movie, when he's looking at something that happened in 1964, does he relate to what he's hearing on that screen? Well, unfortunately he does, you know, because there, there are so many things that haven't changed within our system that he's been able to witness uh, some of the things that are discussed in this film. I mean, you know, there's a very powerful moment when um, Kingsley Benadire that plays Malcolm X uh, talks about, you know, black people are dying in the streets every day. Um, and, and he understands that from an experiential place, unfortunately. Yeah, sadly, you know, everybody understands it and sees it. And yet the movie also has something that's so personal that I associate with you. It has, even though Ken Powers wrote this play and then it became a script, there's something, there's a lightness that these four men have with each other before it gets down to the nitty gritty talk that's there. So they, they seem so humanized. Yeah, and that was really important, you know, because I feel like the uh, themes that um, are in this film, they are uh, being shared through the voices of American icons, Black American icons. So it was very important for us to look at them as men and look past the titles so that people can actually sit in it and feel a part of the conversation and not just the fly on the wall in the yeah. conversation. And I, I think, uh, Kemp did an amazing job of, as you said, humanizing them really early on. He did a great job by, by introducing us to them at moments in their lives where they're kind of getting kicked in the gut, you know? And, and, and we as human beings, no matter what color or gender you are, you know, we've, we've, we, we should understand that, uh, what it feels like to, um, uh, be um, not celebrated, um, and and it's a very specific uh, uh, 
feeling when you know how much work you have put into what and your ancestors and your 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 parents and grandparents have put into what um america is today worked so hard but yet you're still not respected or seen you you know, you just didn't become an overnight sensation as a director. You've been doing it on television for at least a decade to do it. And I wanted to ask you though, what is, what is a director? How do you define what a director is? Um, I think in a lot of regards, the director is the captain of the ship. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the director is a, a the person that um, at the end of, end of the day, especially when it comes to storytelling and film, um, sets the tone, uh, the palette uh, that the audience is going to receive and their perspectives that um, the director infuses into a story and the people that the director brings a, a, on board to infuse their perspectives um, into that story as well. Uh, the director is guiding that. But can you be taught it? Can you really be taught it? Or is it something that you have to pick up through the doing of it? Uh, I think a combination of both. I think any profession where someone has succeeded or uh, tends to um, shine in their own specific way it's a combination of both. You know, you you can have the skill set, but if you don't um, hone, you know, that skill, if you don't um, allow yourself to uh, grow beyond just the gift, you know, if you take someone, I mean, I'll even simplify it like with like a LeBron James, you know, who is has it has a gift, but you know, if he wasn't training and 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 studying the 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 game and 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 ha- and and elevating his basketball IQ, he wouldn't be the LeBron James that we know. It's it's, it's beyond just the God given gift. It's what you do with that gift. Who were your um, examples? Because you. <laughs> You've been doing this as an actor for since you were a teenager. So were there directors that you worked with that you emulated? Absolutely. I mean, the list is just endless from, you know, Ava DuVernay to, um, I can go all the way back to Garen Keith as um, a child actor on 227. Mm-hmm. And just the grace that he had when, um, when we were doing that show, as well as a command presence at the same time. So uh, while I can name so many directors that um, inspired me because of um, how well they did their job, I could probably name a few that taught me what not to do by witnessing. Very helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to admit it, it is, yeah. you know. How else do you know what to do if you don't know what to, if you just say, no, I'm not touching that. Yeah. Right, well, let me let me finish up to by, by asking you, what do you, do you have a ritual when you get on the set every day with your actors and your crew? Do you 
have a moment where you just all commune or talk about something or you just get right down to it? Um, I do. I, I mean, I, I guess I guess it could be considered a ritual. Uh, my DP and I usually always meet an hour before call. And sometimes once the you know, the machine is going and it's feeling good. Sometimes that'll be 30 minutes before, uh, depending on what the day uh, entails. But um, that, and I always like for the actors to read the scene or say the words out loud before we get into uh, blocking, because I just feel like there's something about saying everything out loud together. Um, it kind of starts firing up the brain because as actors, you know, we're usually doing our homework and studying by ourselves. And we have all of these ideas based on that studying by ourselves. And uh, then you get to set and you're with your scene partner and you're hearing it and you're like, oh, that's what that meant. Or, you know, like you start to see it a, a different way so that everyone can kind of have that moment uh, together. Well, it's working, whatever you're doing. So keep doing it. Take us out, like I always ask you to do, with a little bit of a song. The last time you gave me something that your mom used to sing to you. Do you remember what that was? No, what was I love you. It was, I love you. You love me. Um, oh no, I know what it was. Um, it was um, um, uh, I know that you know that I love you, but what you don't know is that I know that you love me. I think that's what it was. That's what it was. And what a great thing to sing to your actors every day. So you can do that on the next movie. You're giving me a new ritual. There, there you, you go. go. Regina, I'm thrilled for you. Congratulations and, and best of luck with all you're doing. I, Thank you so much. I'm enjoying your success vicariously. <laughs>